good morning. I had a, a common uh, thing that happened to me uh, starting last week, and today many of you came up to uh, encourage me. Many of you asked the question, it must be difficult to speak after Steve's last two messages. I said, nah, nah, it can't be any more difficult than when the Holy Spirit for the first time in history fell upon Peter and he spoke and, and uh, they were smitten, their conscience was burned and 3,000 came to faith. It can't be any more difficult than that. But what amazed me, uh, Pat and I this week got to go visit with Steve and uh, many of you have. And I think what was more amazing to me is that uh, here's a man uh, has not pretty much moved from his house, moved from his chair for quite some time. You, you got little glimpses of Steve getting to walk up here and share with you his heart and then pretty much go back and stay in his house and be confined to his bed. And yet the message that we have attempted to bring before you is a message of God's grace and God's life and the spirit of the living God coming and dwelling in us and making a invisible God visible to the world as he's laid in that bed, as we would say, not able to do anything, the impact of his life has possibly been greater than any other time in his entire life. And there's a verse in the Old Testament that talks about it, the illustration is being staked to the ground, and, and uh, the illustration is that we're staked to the ground, unable to move, unable to do anything, and yet in the midst of that being staked to ground, that your ministry and your life and your reflection of God cannot be hindered. It's not hindered by your physical body. And that was amazing to me. As I've looked, I, I, I've been able to see things, and I, I use my imagination quite a bit, and the imagination of some things that have already taken place just by the, the CDs of his uh, talks. I don't think they're going to end now. I think they're going to go on and on. And I think we'll see the fruit uh, of those anointed talks. So as we look at today, we are going to, I was going to maybe change, but the, the passage today is just so appropriate. In, in Mark chapter 2, we're going to look at a little portion of Scripture that I think is quite uh, enlightening, and I hope that it challenges you as it challenged me in, in, in my study of it. But before we look at Mark 2, I, I want to give you once again a little bit of a background that I think it's really important that we understand. When Mark wrote and uh, in, in how he wrote, and if you started, any of you taking the time to look at the book of Mark, knowing we're going to be studying it, you'll look at common words and the way that Mark addressed his writings. And he addressed and made very certain that you were made aware of these miracles that immediately happened. And immediately, what is it, uh, 62 times or something like that in the whole book? Immediately and immediately and immediately. And and he does that for a reason because uh, at that time when Jesus was on this planet, you'll notice many, many times Jesus would do things and then he'd say, now don't go say anything to anybody. And he says, and when the demons came out because they knew who he was, he'd say, don't say a word. Don't, you're not able to speak. 
And partly I want you to understand something because if we can embrace something that they were doing then, I think it's going to really help us in today, where we go forward with our lives today. All of these people, including the disciples that were walking with him, had a mindset, and the mindset is hard to ever be changed when you are so locked into that mindset. They believed in a Messiah that was going to come. Uh, but they believed that the Messiah would set up a kingdom on this earth and would rule and free them from the Romans and on all the junk that was going on in that day. Lots and lots of diseases and lots of uh, demonizing and stuff. And so when they started to see the miracles and the signs, the word literally was signs, and the word sign is a Greek word that literally means an attesting miracle to validate the person doing it. That's all it was. It was a sign. And so as he looked at this, all the disciples were even waiting for this. In the Gospel of John, if, if you get a chance to ever read the Gospel of John, you'll see that it says, therefore, when the people saw this sign or this attesting miracle which he had performed, they said, this is truly the prophet who is to come into the world. So Jesus perceived that they were intending to come and take him by force and make him a king of their kingdom. So he withdrew to the mountains. They were looking for a king of this kingdom. Now, I, I can see what was going on in their mind. If, if you were, had that belief system that this Messiah was coming and he was going to be a king in this kingdom, and you saw the miracles that were already written about and they had already seen in a short time, uh, one, anybody that got sick, he healed their sickness. He walked on the water. When storms came, he just spoke to the storms and they stilled. He raised the dead. When they were out of money, he told them to go catch a fish and inside it was money. But the one that affected them the most, this is interesting, the one that affected them the most, when they were hungry, he called down food and fed them. Because remember when he said, it wasn't even all of the signs and, and all the miracles that brought you to try to make me king. It was that you were fed when you were hungry. And then he went on to say something that startled them. He said, that is the food of this world. Even Moses, when manna came down from heaven, it was the food to satisfy the stomach of this world, even though it came from the Father. I'm bringing you different bread. I'm bringing you different drink. And unless you eat of my body and you drink of my blood, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And the next thing said, these words were so confusing, so confusing, that most of them left his presence. And then it said, and then all the crowds fled. And he said to his disciples, are you too going to follow them? You're going to leave? And literally, I think they were saying, we're confused too, but who else has the words of truth but you? We don't know where to go. What are you talking about? Now, I want you to hold that as we pick up our story now in Mark. Mark chapter 2, verse 1 through 13. 
And when he had come back to Capernaum several days afterwards, it was heard that he was at home. And most likely, this is Peter's home. Uh, and many were gathered together so that there was no longer room, even near the door, and as he was speaking the words to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic, carried by four men. And being unable to get to him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. Now, pay attention to this. This is your house. This is a home. Today, it would act a little bit different. Today, uh, you would have uh, somebody like Mike coming in here with a chainsaw, and all of a sudden, just the roof being cut open, the size of a pallet that they could lay on, and just cut open the roof. So you already get somebody's attention. What in the world are they doing on my house? And then they drop this body down in here, laying on this cot. And when they had cut the opening, they laid down a pallet on which the paralytic was lighted. And Jesus, seeing their face, said to the paralytic, get this, my son, your sins are forgiven. But some of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts said, why does this man speak like this? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus saw in his spirit that they were reasoning that way within themselves. He said, why are you reasoning about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to this paralytic, your sins are forgiven, arise and take up your pallet and walk. Now, I actually took the time uh, and, and found a Greek Bible that was written in Greek in, in where this was written, and the words literally were the same length and same difficulty in speaking. It had nothing to do with, it wasn't like supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, and then the other one says rise. It wasn't like that. I want you to get this because this is really, really key to what was spoken here, and I think it's key to our lives. Do you notice right away when he said your sins are forgiven? He didn't rise and get up and walk. He stayed in the cot. Different from all the other things where he said immediately something happened. Which is the easiest to say? Let me give you a picture. I can go ahead and come and say to somebody, let's say that Steve was here today and he was sitting in the front seat. And I could go ahead and say, Steve, your sins are forgiving you. Now, none of you really know. You don't see that. You don't watch that. You don't get to see that. It's just by faith you believe that his sins are forgiven. But if I were to say, rise, stand up, and walk, and absolute health came to his body, which is easiest to say and which is easiest to do? You see, Jesus was first interested in something that he was trying to make them know, and later on you'll see why. He was basically going to show them something about a kingdom that he was investing in, and it wasn't a kingdom of this world. He said, I have come for a different reason. I've come, first of all and foremost, for this man's heart and his soul. And I said, your sins are forgiven. But in order that you might know that the Son of Man has authority on this earth to forgive sins, he said, take up your pallet and go home. And he arose immediately, and he took the pallet in the sight of all of them, and they were amazed and were glorifying God, saying, we have never seen anything like this, no, not in our entire lives. You see, the thing that 
that was so blowing away to these guys is they had never seen this. We read about these miracles and we read about them and we get all excited about reading back there, but they had never seen this before. And God is saying, in order that you might know that I am the Messiah and I'm the one that has the ability to speak into a man's soul and the man's soul be changed, I will perform a sign. And that word literally means a miracle that is only attesting and validating that Jesus was the Messiah. That's what it was for. It goes on and he says to them, Therefore, when people saw the signs that he had performed, this is John 6, they said, truly, this is the prophet. And so Jesus perceived they're going to intend to come and take him by force and make him king. He withdrew. Says that uh, uh, more in there that he comes and he says that the testimony which I have is greater than the testimony of John for the works that the Father has given me to do and accomplish the very works and miracles that I testify, they testify about me that the Father has sent me. John 3, uh, when Nicodemus came, he said, this man came to Jesus by night and he said to him, Rabbi, we know now that you have come from God for no one can do these attesting miracles and that you, that you must be from God. John 9, since the beginning of time, it has never been heard that anyone ever, ever opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man, this man must be of God because nobody else could do this. Jesus said in John 14, when they kept asking him, just show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. And he says, oh, Philip, have I been with you this long and you don't understand that he that has seen me has seen the Father? I testify to you that I am from the Father. And he said, if you're not going to believe me that I am from the Father and the Father is from me or that the Father is in me, then believe me for the sake of these miracles and the works themselves. Believe me that the works will verify that I am the Messiah that has came. But get this. This is hard. I am the Messiah that came to set up a kingdom in another country, not in this country. He says over and over again, I remember when they even came to him and said, are you the king that they t declare you to be? And he says, if I were king of this country and I was going to be king of this country, well, they would draw, I would call forth right now and thousands of angels would come and slice you to bits. My kingdom is not of this land. My kingdom is another place. It's another land. I've come to die. I've come to be put to death. I've come so that you might be able to, by faith, come to a place where you're going to go ahead and be able to live in the same manner that I came for. That's why I believe so often he told people to not speak and he wasn't going to do things because they had in their mind made up a Messiah that wasn't the true Messiah. They had an image of this Messiah that was going to be a king in this kingdom. And this is what he was going to do. And he kept saying to them, you guys don't think the way that I've caused you to think. So therefore, I'm not even going to let the, the people that I heal speak about it because they'll go speak and present me falsely as a king of this kingdom. The signs and the miracles I'm doing are not for the signs and the miracles. They're to tell you who I am. And I'm a God of, of a different kingdom.
I, I, I want you to just think about this, possibly. Think of it in relationship to your pastor and friend and son. In your prayers, do we not possibly have an image of a Messiah for this land? We want the miracles to heal him. We want the miracles for us to be wealthy. We want the miracles for us to not have trials and our children and our children's children to not have. Are we not in some possible way trying to have utopia here on this land any differently than they were doing? And yet you fight so often in your heart and in your spirit and in your emotions when Steve says, quit trying to take from me the greatest day of my life. What gave and gives Steve, and in the past, it's not just the way he's died, it's the way he's lived, is that he is not living for this land. How many of us have possibly received the Jesus of this kingdom? And then we wonder why we're so upset and so disrayed and disturbed with the things that happen in a world that is not his world. He said, I'm not the father of this world. He even calls Satan the father of this world. Do you know that? There's a story in 1553 when Queen of England, Mary, the king was a herd, herd Henry was just this horrible, evil man, and he just destroyed in many, many lives, killed a lot of people. And then his son Edward came into the scene, and Edward somehow had a grasp of, of beginning to go ahead and try to bring a nation back underneath the, the, the teachings of Christ, and, and they, he stood forward to something, and there were some people that were following him. A guy named Ridley and a guy named Latimer. They were bishops that believe that the Word of God, the Bible, should be read by each person. It shouldn't be told to you just by a priest. And they believed that the Messiah for the propitiation of sin so that men and women could come into a kingdom yet to come and have a land yet to be born in. And so when that all began to happen, Queen Mary took over and began to go ahead and arrest people and kill people. And they arrested these two men. Ridley was a preacher, beloved by his congregation. Those that saw his life said, this man lives out the doctrines that he teaches. He even instructs us to memorize the scriptures in case the queen or somebody would take them from us. Hugh Latimer also became an influential preacher under the King Edward's reign, and he was an earnest student of the Bible. And as a bishop of Worcester, he encouraged the scriptures be known in England by people. His sermons always emphasized that men should serve the Lord with a true heart and an inward affection, not just with an outward show. And Latimer's personal life reinforced his preaching, preaching about another kingdom. But Queen Mary's first act was to arrest, arrest these men. And they were taken to Oxford in September 1555 and examined by the Lord's Commissioner in the Oxford Divinity School. 
When Ridley was asked if he believed that the Pope was heir to the authority of Peter as the foundation for the church, he replied that the church was not built on any man but on the truth that Peter had already confessed that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. Ridley said he could not honor any man, any Pope of Rome, since man was seeking his own glory but the glory of God. And they told the commissioners, Christ made one ob oblation and sacrifice for the sins of the whole world and that a perfect sacrifice neither needeth there be nor can there be any other sacrifice and these opinions were so deeply offensed that they took them on October 16 1555 and they tied them to the stake and lit them afire during the blaze Ridley said, Oh, Heavenly Father, I give unto you my heart thanks that I can be called to be a professor of you even unto death. And I beseech thee, Lord God, have mercy on this realm of England and deliver it from its enemies. And with a loud voice, Ridley cried into thy hands, O Lord, I commend my spirit. But the wood was green, and it burned only Ridley's lower parts without touching his upper body. He was heard to repeatedly call out, Lord God, my Father, have mercy on me. I cannot burn. Let the fire come and consume me. I cannot burn. One of the bystanders came and caused the flames to go to his top. Lattimore died much more quickly, but as the flames quickly rose, Lattimore encouraged Ribley. And he said, friend, be of good comfort, Mr. Ridley. Let's play the man. For we... We shall this day shine so bright a light. For God's grace in England, I trust it will never be put out. And it wasn't. That place became Oxford that basically separated so that people could have their own Bibles and worship God. I want you to understand 200 other people were burned and God only wrote about these two. They had a, a view of a kingdom that was to come. They weren't caught up in the, in the pain and all the different things of this world because their eyes were set on another land, just like the, the people in Hebrews 12 where it says that they could endure this because they knew they had a home they were headed to. The God that they had received, the Jesus Christ that had came into their life, was a God that was here to prepare us for another kingdom but we will reign forever and ever and ever together. It wasn't to reign on this world. He says, don't be so surprised that in this world you're going to have all kinds of trials and tribulations and when the fiery furnace comes upon you, don't be shocked. You weren't called for this kingdom. You were called to another kingdom. So I ask you today to ponder this. Is the Jesus that you have invited into your life, is he the Jesus of a Messiah for a kingdom yet to come and is also in your life? Because he said the kingdom not only is to come, but the kingdom is within you. 
The kingdom's within you. If you have a view of who God is within you and the kingdom inside you, you will also have a view that you're not here to just be happy and peaceful and sick free on this planet. And your prayers will be quite different. I, I promise you, your prayers will be quite different. When I pray for people it, that, that, that I know that have come upon hardship upon them, I may seek that God would show mercy and that would free them from that, but way more importantly, I am praying for their heart to be molded to conform to the image of God so that as they go into the kingdom of God that they'll be able to reign there and be completely made mature and manifested in the sight of God. That's the prayers. So I ask you that. I labeled this follow the signs, this talk. The signs. The signs were signs to tell you of a Messiah, and the Messiah was a Messiah that is real, and he's not here to make this life all peaceful and comfortable with no disease and no sickness and no death. That isn't the God of who he is. Some of you possibly may feel just like the disciples and the crowds, and you basically want to say, well, then I, I really want to turn and walk away because I want a God that is going to bless me all the way and all the material things on this planet. And if that's the case, I encourage you, keep on praying and praying and praying and praying for health and praying and praying and praying for wealth and praying and praying and praying for happiness for you and your children. And I assure you of what I've seen in my 48 years of walking with God you will just keep praying and praying and praying those prayers until who you're praying for dies or until you die. Because God is not as interested as you think on you being all happy on this planet. I'm sorry, that's the news he brought. Can you see now why the people left and turned and walked away from him? Can you see now how maybe we have adopted that same belief system? And we're all discouraged. We go home, we scratch our head that somebody's dying and somebody won't get healed. These bodies are not meant to be healed. They're meant to be destroyed so that we can get new ones. And by the way, if you do pray and somebody gets healed, they'll just get it sick again and a little while later and they'll die later on. So here's my challenge to you. Some of you might feel the same way that they did towards Jesus, and you just basically are going to take this and just, whew, I'm going to get out of here. I'm not going to follow that anymore. That's okay. But I can promise you something. If you're not going to believe me for the words that I'm reading to you from Scripture, then believe me by the works themselves. Believe me by watching a man die with the perspective that I've just talked about and see that this man has more peace than almost anybody you've seen in your life. That is the truth of this message. That is the truth when he said to the man, your sins are forgiven. I'm not that interested in this other part. Your sins are forgiven. But so they will know that I have the ability to forgive sins, I will go ahead and say, rise, get up and walk. And he does it. Not so that we can all say that to people because he was validating that he was the Messiah 
And then it happened again when the Holy Spirit came on the disciples and the disciples then were anointed with the Holy Spirit and then they were able to also speak these things not so that they could do miracles. It was so that the miracles you saw was the same word in the Greek text were just testifying that the Holy Spirit dwelt within them and you should believe the message that they're bringing. Then the Apostle Paul, or uh, the Apostle Paul, Jesus comes and pours this new gospel. The gospel literally means this good news that man can't earn his way to heaven, and only by God's love and God's grace has he come and lived within mankind again. Blow away the angels, said they looked at this and marveled. How can the living God live inside these human beings? But he did it. And Paul then was given the ability to do miracles and do a lot of the same miracles and do these things. But... However, when Jesus said, when that day comes, greater works than these will you do. We all, with our mindset of a kingdom on this world, we think it means we'll be able to heal more people. We'll be able to go ahead and have more people get more wealthier. We'll be able to keep our kids happy. We'll be able to not get viruses. We'll be able to do all these things. And I tell you the truth, that greater works than these will you do. You will see and have seen those works is how in the world that God could take a human being destined to hell, separated from God, come and transform his life and have him be born again to a living hope and live forever and ever in perfect peace. That is a way greater work than what it was to make a man walk. And that's why he said, your sins are forgiven. That's the greater work that you will do. Peter saw it right from the start. 3,000 people came to faith the first message. If I were you, in your prayers, just consider, God, I want a kingdom that you came to give. And so in my prayers, I'm going to pray this, that the life and death of Steve and even those messages that were done here will accomplish greater works than any of this healing ever would have done in his life. And I would pray, as Dave comes up here, that thousands would come into this kingdom, but receiving a Jesus, the right Messiah, that came to give us another kingdom, not to just be happy on this planet. Dave.